Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. I have a powerful word to preach to you from the book of Acts, chapter 9. So we'll wait just a moment, and then we're going to take communion. Did you bring your own communion today? Glory. All right, communion. You know, a long time ago, they uh, didn't want anybody to bring communion or take communion in their homes because they were afraid that people would do it in the wrong way and drink and eat judgment on themselves. And uh, that's pretty intense, and that comes from 1 Corinthians 11. But if you'll do it the right way, taking communion, having your own anointing oil in your house, taking communion with you and your children is is a very godly, very righteous thing, and I'd encourage you to do it every week. I said I'd encourage you to do it every single week. And uh, we're going to take communion here at the end of service, so you'll want to be prepared for that. For those of you that don't have communion uh, elements, you don't have communion uh, bread and, and juice or anything, we do have, and so we will serve you at that time. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, and uh, verse 1, turn there with me. I'm going to read from the New International Version. And I'm going to preach in your hearing a message entitled, Transformed and Appointed. Transformed and Appointed. And as you're turning there to Acts 9, I truly believe that this is the greatest hour for the church. I truly believe that this is a moment where God is going to raise up a remnant of people who are hungry and thirsty and desperate. Not religiosity. Not following a bunch of rules with, a, with no relationship with God, but a people who walk out of intimacy with Him that are producing a fruitfulness in the earth. These are the greatest days. He said, is these the end? Is this the end? Is the end at hand? Well, I think it's closer than when we first believed. That is for certain. And we are going through the wars and rumors of wars. We're going through the birth pains, no doubt. But along with other Men of God and prophets that have prophesied, I've seen this thing just, just being removed from our, from our land, this COVID-19. I see God just coming with his hand and wiping it out because I believe 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, And I need to say also that we're a part of Unite 714. Unite 714 is a prayer movement that has begun based on 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. And it's a a culmination or a conglomerate of churches that have come together, hundreds of them across the nation, and we're included in that. You can go to Unite714, Google it, go check it out, and every week they come out with a new prayer, and so there'll be a new one, I think, that comes out today. And we're praying that at 714 in the morning and 714 at night. And so we're a part of that, and uh, you go ahead and plug in and be a part of that too. So I believe that this is the greatest hour, and I believe that this hand of the Lord has come upon our nation to cause this plague, this pandemic, to be removed. But it certainly is shaking things up. It's shaking what can be shaken so that what remains is of Him. Can you say amen? Acts chapter 9, and uh, let me just give a little note. Many people have left their cars on without their motors running and had us to help them get a jump because they'd run their battery down, which we're happy to help you, but you might want to start your car 
every so often if you're running your battery down there. All right. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Paul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. Or he could see nothing, pardon me. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, verse 9. He did not eat or drink anything, verse 10. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come to his place and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority of the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Paul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Move in power, God. Move in power right now over these cars, over the web, over this region. I thank you that as I preach now under an unction from heaven, that I stand before you and your angels and before Satan and his demons to declare that Jesus Christ was crucified, 
and rose again from the grave in accordance with the Scriptures to declare today that if you could take someone like Saul, a murderous, religious person, and transform him to being appointed by God to be somebody who's a chosen vessel, that you could do that through the each and every one of us and that you could awaken hearts today. Through this message, as your word runs swiftly, let every man, every woman, every child be brought low, and you be glorified and magnified. If we lift you up, your word says, you'll draw all men unto yourself. Draw all men unto yourself today, Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. If people from your past were to meet you now, you know, somebody from high school, somebody maybe from college, or somebody from your past that, that knew you before you gave your life to Jesus, would they recognize you? Would they be in shock as they looked at you? I mean, what would they say? You see, Jesus is risen from the grave and the Apostle Paul, Saul here, is changed, later called the Apostle Paul, writing a good portion of the New Testament. Saul is his Hebrew name. His Greek name is Paul. And so Saul was a, basically a zealot, a, 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 he, a Hebrew zealot. A young rabbi would be a better way to say that. And as a young rabbi, he thought he was doing God a favor by killing off these people that are a part of this strange sect that believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He had memorized the Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, as a, as a, a young Jewish boy, then becoming a rabbi, would have to memorize those five books. He had memorized them. He knew the word, and he was serving God, but he was wrong. He didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah. All of Israel was looking for the, the, the deliverance from Rome. All of them longed and prayed for the Messiah to come. They knew Isaiah 53, but in their minds they were troubled about Isaiah 53 and the suffering servant aspect of it. Paul was seemingly far from God. But God revealed himself to him, and in revealing himself to him, transformed him, and in transforming him, then appointed him to be a vessel. This morning, I want to look at the life of the Apostle Paul for a few moments, and from his life extrapolate seven things that Paul believed applied to his life, because you see it in his preaching, in his letters, and seven things that will apply to our life as Christians, people who believe in the resurrection. So this text, as we look at it, Paul, is it's his conversion story. It's told three times. And your story, your conversion story should be told. Your story of how God transformed you and changed you should be told as well. It's told here in Acts 9, told by Luke the physician. 
But in Acts 22 and Acts 26, his story is also told. A persecutor of Christians, you'll see in Acts 22. A young, zealous rabbi, as I said, Acts 26, talks about that. He was the least likely person that you think to become a Christian. But I found this. It doesn't matter what your opinion is of your neighbor or how far you think they are from God. It says in, in the book of Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And what I found is that people are much closer to God than you might realize. And that the Lord is the one that softens the heart. Proverbs 21.1 says, He holds the heart of the king and he turns it like a river. He turns it like a water course. So if he could take the uh, Saul and make him a Paul and transform him from being a murderer to being somebody who writes three quarters of the New Testament, how many of you know he could take the likes of you or your stubborn wife or your stubborn husband, or your wayward son, or your wayward daughter, he can take the ugliest, baddest, meanest, orneriest junkyard dog and set him free because he's risen again from the grave. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. It doesn't matter if somebody's addicted, they're on heroin. You can be set free from heroin. You can be set free from pornography. You can be set free from every bondage, every yoke from sin and death. You can be set free because Jesus has risen again from the grave. He led captivity captive. We're not gathered in some parking lot because we want to freeze on a scissor lift and just preach and shout to you for nothing. We do it because there's a fire that's at work on the inside of us like a, like a fire shut up in my bones. And I know so many of you feel that way. I can't help but testify and declare that he set me free. I was broken and I was bound. I was addicted and left for dead. Nothing could help me in my situation. Oh, but Jesus reached across the muck and the miry clay and he snatched me like a stick from the fire and he can do that for you. And he wants to do it even today. Can you shout and clap and say amen to God? Saul, on his way to Damascus, has an encounter. And I would say that every one of you need to have an encounter, even in your own car. He had an encounter with God. He had an encounter with the risen Lord, the Savior. Acts 26 and 14. This is Saul now, well, Paul, telling his story in his own, in his own words. We fell to the ground. Acts 26, 14. We fell to the ground. I heard a voice say to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin 
and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Saul hears the Lord. It changes him. It destroys his theology, or should I say, it completes his theology. He's impacted and appointed to declare that God will turn you from darkness to light from the power of Satan. Listen, listen, the power of Satan is real. Many times before I gave my heart to Christ, I saw demons. I heard voices. Many times pressed down in my bed, choked out, filled with fear. And God came and he rescued me and he saved me. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you've been through or what you're going through. I don't know what kind of obstacles you're facing, but I know Jesus has risen again from the grave and his power is able to bring you out of darkness into light. His power is able to set you free to heal your broken heart, to heal your broken mind, to heal your broken emotions, to heal your marriage. This is the centerpiece of all apostolic preaching. You can't look at the Gospels and not see Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected as the main message in Acts 2 and following all the preaching. That's what you see, Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected. Today, there are many messages on leadership, many messages on how to have a good marriage. Thank God. Many messages on how to, how to take care of your money and be a good steward. But so often the cross of Jesus Christ is left out of biblical preaching and teaching. And I would tell you that God gives us the word of God, not so it's like a, a self-help book for God's sake. I'm thankful for healthy marriages and, and, and principles of how to have a healthy marriage. I'm thankful for leadership principles. But the main truth is this. You must be born again. You must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You must believe in the resurrection of the dead. And then after that, learn how to have a healthy marriage. He doesn't just come and say, have a healthy marriage. He says, come and die. That's actually what he says. Come and receive me and live again. To as many as believed in him, he gave them the right to become children of God. You're not made a child of God unless you receive Jesus. You must be born again. That is the message. That's the message of Easter. If God could change a soul, he could change you. And Saul obeys the Lord and he goes to Damascus. And Jesus appears to this man, this disciple Ananias. And Ananias is told to go see this Saul, who he knew about. And I love when he comes in to see Saul, he says, Brother Saul. You know why he called him a brother? Because he knew he'd received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he lays hands on him so he could be healed of his blindness. And so that he could be filled with the Spirit. You know, I always wondered why Saul was three days blind. It's sort of a mystery to me. God, why do you leave him three days blind? It was an illustration. that his, The way that he believed was, was a blindness to him. And you'll see later on, he writes to the church in Corinth, 
that the God of this age has blinded them. That they've blinded them to the truth of the gospel. Your loved ones, your family members, your brothers and your sisters who aren't saved, that don't believe in Jesus, maybe you're here, maybe you're online. If you've not received him, it's because you've been blinded by the God of this age. Because you have been blinded by the truth. But blinded from the truth. But God wants to open your eyes today. Can you say amen? So Paul, so Paul becomes a powerful witness. And his conversion is so incredible. It wasn't a hallucination. 500 people saw Jesus ascend. Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. And what, what Paul would say is if there's no resurrection, then there's no Christianity. The fact that you're in a parking lot or you're at home on a big screen TV or on a device listening, I mean, what, what, what's going on here? I mean, I'm, I'm on a scissor lift 30 feet in the air or whatever it is. Why would we do that? Because God has apprehended us. He's touched us by the fact that we're here gathering together. It's a statement that he's risen again from the grave. And the Apostle Paul, his life, his life is a statement that there's resurrection power, that you can be changed. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sin. So the resurrection really proves that, the, that Jesus is Lord. Romans 1, 4 and who the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ is Lord. So let me give you seven, seven statements on what the resurrection means to the Apostle Paul and what the resurrection means to you and me. Number one, because Jesus rose again from the grave, I am no longer a slave to sin, and I can live a holy life. I want you to say that. I am no longer a slave to sin, and I can live a holy life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 9. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lived, he lives to God in the same way. In the what? In the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. He's referring to the fact that the resurrection is the basis by which we live a holy life. The resurrection is the basis by which we can live a holy life. Can you say amen? Number two, seven, seven statements that we can make because of the resurrection. One, your sin is, is forgiven. You can live a holy life. Number two, your past is gone. I said your past is gone. Your past is forgiven. You can have a new life. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Colossians 3 and 9, Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Romans 6, 4. We were therefore buried with him. We were what? Buried with him. We're what? Buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You can live a new life because Jesus was raised again from the dead. Oh, I love, I love number three. I love number three. Resurrection power flows through me. I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost. I want you to say that. Resurrection power flows through me. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. Say it so your neighbor can hear you through the glass. Resurrection power lives in me, flows through me. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. He's referring to the resurrection, the same power at work in you. Romans 15, 18. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs, wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way down to Illyricum, I fully proclaim the gospel of Christ. One of the things I believe is going to happen is that the gospel is going to be preached with power from, from, in a greater way than it ever has been before. You know, lukewarm, apathetic, powerless Christianity is out. It's not cool. It doesn't work. People are sick and tired of going to a dispensary to try to get some, some healing. People are sick and tired of, of those things fall flat. And religion falls flat too. You can be set free. You can be healed. There is power and demonstration in the kingdom of God. And that power and demonstration is crucial. And I believe that God is going to raise you up, raise us up, so that the power of the Holy Spirit is put on display in Wasilla, in Anchorage, in Fairbanks, <laughs> in Alaska, in the nations, and the uttermost parts of the world. Can you say hallelujah? Oh, come on, have a praise break. Paul's whole ministry was based on resurrection. 1 Corinthians 2.4, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Number four. I have eternal life. Because of the resurrection, we have eternal life. Romans 6, 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. 
2 Corinthians 4 and 14, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Colossians 3, 2 talks about having your mind fixed on the things above. Because of the resurrection, we've got eternal life. Can you say amen? Jesus is coming back. Number five, Jesus is coming back. Number six, my life is to be lived considering the resurrection, considering everything that God has done. Our life is to be lived with purpose for God. Let me read to you a few scriptures. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Acts 20, 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus gave me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you, none of you among whom I have gone out about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again, he says. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. I am very concerned as we live for God that the enemy would love to pick you off. He loved to shut the church down. There is a gangrenous teaching, and, and it's out there. It's on the Internet, hyper, hyper grace movement, neo-Calvinism, universalism. There's all kinds of horrible atrocities out there. I promise and pledge to you and before God that I will stay true to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will never back off of the message. We will always preach and pray and prophesy and, and bring the gospel to you as clearly as we possibly can. And I want to tell you again that we will not stop gathering together. We will not stop gathering together. God has called us to do it. It's our First Amendment right, and we'll do it as good neighbors. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Lastly, because of the resurrection, I'm appointed. The Apostle Paul, Saul, then transformed by God, then appointed by God. It's the same thing that he'll do to you. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. When you give your life to Jesus, and he lifts the scales and the blinders come off. You give your life to Christ in a very real way. The transforming power of God comes. He takes out the heart of stone, and he puts in a heart of flesh. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations that you have to follow. It's receiving Jesus. The resurrection is the centerpiece of Christianity. Without it, we, we, don't have, we don't have anything. As Paul said, your faith is futile if he didn't rise from the dead, but he did. And I'm a witness 
I've been transformed, and I've been appointed. And the truth is, every single one of you, God wants to transform, and then he wants to appoint you. John 15, I've chosen you. I want you to say that God's chosen me and appointed me. Say that. To bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. Jesus is risen again from the dead. So you've been chosen. You've been appointed. Now go be a witness. Go share your faith. Call every number on your, on your, on your, in your contacts. Send out emails. Use your social media to reach people. What if they think I'm weird? They already think you're weird. Who cares? Who cares? God is able to transform you. He'll transform you and he'll appoint you. Can you say amen? We're going to go ahead and receive communion. And uh, you want to prepare that in your vehicles now if you've brought that. If you haven't, we've got uh, those that have trays of sealed, cleansed, COVID-19 free elements. And uh, we're going to receive communion all together here in just a moment. You know, if you're here and you're under the sound of my voice and you're not right with God, you need to get right with Him. There really is a place called hell. Jesus talked a lot about hell. Right, if you, need, if you need communion, just put your hazards on. We'll get to you. And as soon as everybody's served, as soon as everybody's served, we'll, we'll receive it all together. You know, if you're here and you're under the sound of my voice and you're not right with God, um, it's time. I mean, seriously, there's a global pandemic. The whole world is like shut down. You think that points to something? Yeah. The end is soon. And even if there wasn't a global pandemic, God's reaching out to you. And he has been. You can see his handiwork in your life. You can see the fingerprint of God if you think back, that one that, that gave you a, a track when you were in high school. You're reminded maybe of your, your neighbor who tried to invite you to church, or maybe you went to camp when you were a kid. You gave your life to Christ, but you drifted away. Maybe you've never heard the good news of Jesus clearly declared to you like I've, like I've hopefully brought to you today. You're online, YouTube, Facebook. You're here gathered at our Wasilla campus. You want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or maybe... You need to just recommit because you drifted in your walk with the Lord and you need to come home. I know of no greater time to come back to Christ. Dodge, last row, all the way deep. Oh, I think they got it. I know of no greater time to come to Christ than right now on Resurrection Sunday. What a beautiful gift to give yourself. You say, that's me, Pastor. Praise God. Thank you for your honesty. 
Won't you pray this prayer online, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, podcast, here in the parking lot, on the web stream. You say, that's me, Pastor. Okay, pray this prayer right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you, and then we'll receive communion all together. Father, I pray for each and every person that prayed that prayer, that you'd fill them now with your Holy Spirit, that you'd break off every bondage, every curse, and that on this day, you'd not only you've lifted the scales from their eyes, but now fill them with your Holy Spirit. Be filled to overflowing. The evidence of speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Spirit to operate. The power of the resurrection flowing through them to their family and all those that know them. Holy Spirit, come as you now start and fulfill your good pleasure over them. Sanctifying work, your sanctifying work over them. Free them from every bondage and from every curse. From sickness and infirmity. Thank you for doing it now in Jesus' name. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to having your sins forgiven. Heaven is now your home. Come on. Somebody clap and shout and beep your horn. Hey! He lives. He lives. Transformed and appointed. Now go tell somebody. If you're online and, and you and you made a decision for Christ, you go ahead and let us know in the comments. If we want to help you grow in the things of the Lord, we've got all kinds of groups and discipleship methods to help you. You plug in. Send us a comment. Send us an email. We love you so much. We're glad that you're here on Resurrection Sunday. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And in likewise manner, he took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is shed for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So God before you as their company of people, the blood-washed hosts, the church, we stand before you as on a sea of glass by faith. And we say thank you. <laughs> thank you for being crucified for my sin. We say thank you. Thank you for your broken body and the 39 lashes that brought healing to me and all those who believe. Thank you for the price that you paid Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body. Wash and cleanse us now. We repent, God, again. Wrong thoughts, attitudes, or motives. We receive your forgiveness. Come on, say that. I receive your forgiveness. 
I receive your healing. Go on. I receive your healing. And I declare, say it with me. I declare your soon return. And say, Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.